0: Okay, that, that one was people. barely audible. I'm a little hoarse today. <laughs> a pony, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, welcome to Got the Runs, the comics podcast with all the sexual chemistry of an Amish boy and his rich <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> Is she rich? Yeah, they have like an estate and a plane. I don't I, right? I didn't get the sense that that was like her estate. Although I guess I don't know. They do have a They're plane, mothers. which feels crazy. But yeah, sure. I guess that's rich, basically. Sure. But yeah. Come on. Why not? She's rich. <laughs> <laughs> get her. <laughs> <laughs> call me a freaking walker because I say eat her. Sure. So true, <laughs> King. Um, welcome to Got the Runs. Thanks. Today is. Our final episode... <laughs> Period, <on> because I've been driving you to quit. <laughs> too, too many haters. Um, on oh, Tilly Tilly, Tilly Walden, uh, and we are covering Clementine Book One. I The, the much really, <laughs> preemptively maligned. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that is really where we need to start, with just like uh, talking about Walking Dead, which is like, no thank you. Not that uh, I... I really shouldn't have as much against Walking Dead as I do, because I did read quite a bit of it, and I was like, this is fine. But, like, the level of exhaustion I have at the thought of consuming Walking Dead <laughs> media, media period. Is, yeah. like, it, crazy. There is a, a level of saturation it has achieved that is shocking. <laughs> um and how, how much of Walking Dead, I feel like we talked about this once already, but how much of Walking Dead would you say you read? I remember I had a certain point. I think it was when, I mean, I don't want to spoil it per se. I mean, it's been over think, for like a few years now, so sure, spoil okay, well, away. Like, I think I think I got up to when Rick Grimes died, right? Or no? <sighs> if you got up to when Rick dies, then you got further than me because he was still alive in the last stuff I read, I think. No, I don't think I got to, like, Negan. Or maybe I... Oh, he's definitely still... Are you thinking of Glenn? When Glenn dies? (laughs) Oh, no, but Negan kills Glenn, so... Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I got to. I just remember, like, someone died. And then I was kind of, like, reading, and I was like, okay. (laughs) And then I was just kind of petered out at some point. But, like, that's the thing with walking... is like... There's nothing to it. It's just, like, I guess so like uniformly oppressive mm-hmm. and like there's nothing to it other than like someone's gonna die at some point <laughs> it is basically like what you're sort of like reading towards mm-hmm. at any given time yeah i would say that i so i read i'm scrolling through the like list of story arcs here Uh, And I would say that I think I got to probably around volume 26 or 27, Mm. uh, which is pretty far. But I did like my opinion of it dropped kind of steadily after they leave the prison, which is like Mm. (laughs) volume like eight, I want to say, or nine. So, so I read like 10 plus volumes over the course of which like, my opinion just kind of gradually dropped and for me like the negan stuff was like really the nadir i know a lot of people i, th- I mean i th- people seem to like negan as a character and like as a villain particularly but i part of me is also like is that because of him or is that the whole like jeffrey dean morgan or jeffrey morgan dean whatever that guy's name is the actor who played him people are like kind of crazy for anyways i was like ready to fall off and then They started, like, they did a time skip and, and like, kind of moved away from what was feeling like an extremely repetitive formula to me, which was, like, Rick and whoever is with him encounter a new group. It seems like they could be happy for a time, but then, like, someone betrays them and they all fight each other and Rick and whoever is with him, like wander for a bit until they find a new group and it seems like they could be happy until someone attacks or betrays them and they all fight and then rick and whoever's with him like it just felt like that over and over again for a long time but when they did the time skip it was like now they're settled they're like in one spot and they introduced this new like group of antagonists that was super creepy where their whole thing was like they like wrapped themselves in like zombie skins and they were called the whispers because they would like walk around in zombie hordes, like covered in zombie skins and would just like walk close enough to each other that they could like whisper to communicate and, and basically used like the zombie hordes as like their like mobile defense system. Right. (laughs) Which I was like, this is a cool idea. These antagonists are really creepy. Um, but then i just like ended up falling off again and never really got back on board and then when it was right. like surprise it's over i was just sort of like well i guess i don't really feel the need to jump back in again yeah i mean like it's just like cuz like i mean i don't really like zombie stuff to begin with i just find it kind of like boring and it's like by definition it's going to be repetitive because like it's the same enemy and for the most part Sorry, I was just reading, I was just looking at the Rick Grimes Wikipedia page and an alternate version of Rick dubbed Rick Grimes 2000 was introduced (laughs) in issue 75 from a reality where an alien invasion occurred and Rick was rebuilt as a cyborg. Yeah, there's also, um, I don't know if you read like the Skybound X issue, uh, which has like a Clementine short that is like a prelude to the graphic novel, but... (laughs) rick rick grimes 2000 is also uh in that right yeah so what is skybound x i keep so seeing it skybound is robert kirkman's like publishing mm-hmm. house basically or like his studio or it, it's the same as like how jim lee had Wildstorm and alan moore had like mm-hmm. america's best comics and that type of thing it's like his sort of imprint slash label slash studio slash like I think it's technically officially a publisher, but like within image that he uses to basically be his like production house where it's really kind of in like the classic image vein in a way that they don't really do anymore, where like there are plenty of Skybound titles, which he is not like a creative force on at all, but they're published by Skybound. And I'm not really sure what the like kind of corporate relationship is there, whether he has like as a result, an ownership stake in those, or if he just sees himself as sort of like um, an angel investor, kind of who, who like, if image wouldn't take a series for some reason, or if he really just wants to be the champion of a book or something like that, he'll go for it. But like, like, for example, the first one that comes to mind for me is Ultra Mega, um, is a like a, a sort of Ultraman riff series that is at Skybound, but he has nothing to do with. Really good book. Oh, and um, oh, what's that book called? Manifest Destiny is another one that I really like that, to my knowledge, he has nothing to do with. Um, so Skybound X was like the 10th anniversary of Skybound, they put out this seri- like anthology series that was basically sort of like short teasers for all of the, either like the stuff that's coming up. So like there was an ultra mega story, there was a Manifest Destiny story, there was a Clementine story, or for just like kind of like playing the hits. So like you get the Rick Grimes 2000 story, right. which like I'm not sure they're doing something further with Rick Grimes 2000. But it was just sort of like a celebration of all of the books that have come out through Skybound and are, like, soon to kind of continue to come out. (laughs) Soon to continue to come out. And Clementine is also in kind of, like, a weird spot vis-a-vis Skybound because it's, like, the flagship launching title for Skybound Comet, which is supposed to be, like, a young adult graphic novel line. Sure. To which I say, Okay. (laughs) I mean, so much of the, <laughs> so much of all of this can be summed up as okay question mark. Yeah, I mean first of all, Robert apparently Robert Kirkman has story by credit on the upcoming movie Renfield. Do you know about this? I do not, although I feel like I recognize that name. It's a horror comedy. Starring Nicholas Holt as Renfield, a, hench- a henchman to Count Dracula, of course. Of course. Who decides to leave his line of work after falling in love. Among other members of the cast, Nicholas Cage as Dracula. Of course. Aquafina as Renfield's love interest. And Ben Schwartz as Teddy Lobo, a mobster. <laughs> <sighs> sure. It's real, sure uh this guy's chris mckay he made the lego batman movie and is apparently making a nightwing movie yeah <laughs> that's real that's real sure uh, um, the, every dc movie i mean we already like talked about this <laughs> at length but every single especially stuff that has already been announced i'm just like that's never coming out and that like you know recent news has only like Tripled, if not like more so sure, sure, my confidence sure. in that feeling it's just like none of that stuff is ever coming out if it was like ever going to it definitely is not now it is really really crazy that the apparently like the like next you know 18 months or whatever of dc movies are Black Adam, mm-hmm. Shazam 2, mm-hmm. so like, like you read this and you're like, oh, Shazam is really their like, cornerstone <laughs> right now. Uh, the Flash, of course, a movie that's never coming out. Of course. Blue Beetle. Uh, yeah. And Aquaman 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> what more can I say? Uh... And then other potential films, it's like, I mean, it's just like. The Amazons, Black Canary, Booster Gold, Deadshot, Gotham City Sirens, Green Lantern Corps, Lobo, Nightwing, Plastic Man, Static Shock, Supergirl, Zatanna. It's like, okay. But praise be we are not talking about any of those things. <laughs> um, We are no, talking, talking about-, about Clementine. Yes. Which is, of course, I guess for people who aren't aware... A character from the Telltale Games graphic adventure video game. Now, have you played those? I feel like we both played the first one. I definitely played the first one. I feel like you know that thing where you're like, "I'm gonna binge this," and then you play one, and you're like, "Actually, that's fine." <laughs> uh huh. That was me. I guess when I you started got like the, the full Roy- collection or something, and you played like the first volume, and we're like, "That's that's enough." <laughs> Yeah, well, I think there were only two seasons when I played it, right. but I played the first one and I was like that was really good. And then I like didn't really have or you know, like it just it scratches the itch and so you're yeah. not immediately like I want to go play another one of these. Well, it is kind of like I mean all the the Telltale games are always really popular and always are like a good story, but it's not really like playing a game in the same sense as like, you know. It's, it's just not bingeable in that same way because it takes a lot more time and sort of like concentration than just like watching a show or a movie. But it's also not as like interactive and like immersive an experience as just like playing a more traditional game. So right. I do get that kind of like you you finish one and then it's sort of like, and I'm good. Right. And Telltale Games no longer exists, or does? (laughs) Okay, I'm seeing on the Wikipedia page, Telltale Games, and then in the box, like the little info box, it says, Successor, Telltale Games. Mm -hmm. So I guess someone acquired, like, the Telltale... Yes, it has been relaunched following negotiations with Sherwood Partners... LCG Entertainment acquired several key Telltale assets, and they apparently did release a new Batman. Oh wait, no, they released a remastered Batman, and apparently they are making the Wolf Among Us Two mm-hmm. Among Us. And I'm and seeing here that based others have, on the expanse others have urged for a boycott of any new game from the new Telltale. <laughs> sure, I mean people were upset because, like, yeah. People like, you know, I think people like basically all of the, the yeah. telltale it stuff. It's definitely, like, like I will say, I have, as I said, I played the first one of the Walking Dead ones. I think I played the Game of Thrones one, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have played The Wolf Among Us too. Um, and all of it is like, if you're a fan of whatever it is that they are, like making it's like a good kind of like guidance story to whatever, like the real thing is. Like, it's entertaining for sure, yeah. I mean, like, again, like, there's nothing I don't have any complaints about them, certainly, but that, but I also have no desire to be like, I should jump back in on season two of, yeah, The Walking Dead. Um, but apparently, some people did, <laughs> <laughs> and that. So, I guess I'm the person who is going to, like, shepherd this, since I was reading about this last <laughs> night. People were mad because... So, I guess what... Ha- so, Clementine is this character who you follow throughout the Walking Dead games. Um, she start like, at first you play as this character, Lee, who discovers her as, like, a, like, orphaned child, and then sort of, like, shepherd her throughout the first episode, and then from the second episode onward, or second season onward, you... Clementine becomes the main character of the story. And so, you know, people have an investment in her, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, they followed over four games or whatever, like a pretty long amount of time in terms of hours you put into those games. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people were mad online. (laughs) What? Um, That doesn't sound like them. (laughs) At first, I instantly was like, they don't like it because a queer person is making it. But then I found out that there is, like, at some point you get, like, a romance option with Clementine and you can, like, there are, like, male or female romantic partners. Mm-hmm. So Clementine is, like, more or less canonically confirmed queer. And so I was like, oh, so I guess the real Clem heads aren't mad about that. <laughs> <It's>, like, <laughs> what could they possibly be mad about? And, and this so is, like, all my... with regards to, like, the comic itself, Yes, and, people were and like ver- beforehand were or after it came out when the Skybound X came out right. with the Clementine story, because so like a big part of, I guess, the last two seasons or two and a bit seasons mm-hmm. is her relationship walking- with this kid who is sort of like new Clementine. Yes, with this kid, AJ. Mm-hmm. And then the Skybound X story, which I'm gathering you read. I did. And it's basically 10 pages to be like. Peace, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I I can't understand this to some extent. People are like, why is she... Like, she literally spent, like, the last two games, like, shepherding AJ and, like, being, like, my whole life is dedicated to keeping you safe. And then she's like, bye, gotta pursue my own path. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, and she apparently... this Again, this is all just, like, me reading Reddit threads and, like... <laughs> uh-huh. and, like it's so funny because like you it's so clear when you like come into a community and it's like the community has already made their mind up about something. Yes. And so it's just like literally every thread is like, there's no comic. Like that doing that thing. Right. Classic. Being like, yeah. Or like this or like this comic is so garbage. It was even worse than I could have expected. Uh-huh. It was a zero out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So really it's the AJ heads who are uh incense yeah so, so the two the two big bullet points i heard was like clementine acts very out of character because i guess she's like a big badass in the later seasons because she's sort of like you know grown up in the mm-hmm. walking dead averse yep and then like and so like it's out of character because like she's i guess like too emotional she leaves aj which everyone hates and then the other thing which is like i don't really get the logic here but everyone was like Tilly Walden wanted to make an, a self insert, and like that's why Clementine like behaves differently than what we know. Wait, so they like, think that Clementine is the self insert because <laughs> yes, because there's another character in this book who seems like <laughs> like a much more obvious like, like Tilly Walden figure, <laughs> a feeble queer girl with glasses <laughs> who like has a crush on Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> who could this be that's really um, funny <laughs> that they think yeah, that. Th- so those are those were the two bullet points and like literally every comment like it was like either like people were like the comic is terrible and like worse than i expected or some people were like i still didn't like it because like it ruined clementine but it's okay and then like one person was like i like it and like as long as i try and forget that it's a clementine and that it's like canon within the walking dead video game universe people are very upset about canon see so this is interesting that people felt that she like was not badass enough because like i mean i guess it's the personality of it specifically that people are taking issue with because i was also like i mean she's (laughs) on a prosthetic and like needs a cane to walk around that kind of limits how like in terms of like cool action scenes you know there's only so much you can do when you've established like this character is on a makeshift prosthetic that doesn't really fit quite right and, like, needs a cane to, <laughs> to like, ambulate yeah, effectively. I think, th- I think it's more about the emotionality of it. Mm-hmm. And then and I was reading an interview with Tilly Walden where she was like, like, I understand that, like, people are mad because, like, I made her apparently less badass, but then it's, like, the thing that, the, the, like, her take was, like... And apparently she... We'll, we'll come back to this in a second. But she was, like... There's this badass, and, like, what's the next step that this, like, badass would take is, like, to try and cope with, like, Mm -hmm. the horrible experiences that have been visited upon her her entire life. Um, And, you know, I think she does some really interesting stuff in terms of, like, sort of the emotionality of that and the idea of, like, I I think probably the best part of the book is her interaction with this guy, Tim, where he basically talks about how it's, like, your life is just, like, a string of adults who have, like, taken the bullet for you, mm-hmm. which I understand is, like, also true of, you know, the late, I mean, we've talked about how The Walking Dead is just all about, like, someone dies, mm-hmm. and if you have one character who has lived for, like, four games <laughs> worth of story, then it's, like, they have seen, like, 50 people, i right. sure. But yeah, like, I like that idea of, like, especially, like, for, like, a 17-year-old or whatever, how it's, like, your life has just been a series of people getting killed, not necessarily because of you, but certainly being, like, pretty directly, like, choosing to give up their lives so that you can live. Right. And just, like, that level of guilt that that creates, especially when you're, like, well, like, I'm just me. Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> a messiah or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I can't live up to what this has, like, put upon me. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it. It, I kind of felt like as I was sort of looking at her that I did see, and again, this is not having really played any of the games past the first one in which she is like eight yeah. years old. Yeah. But I, I felt like it like communicated it relatively well insofar as she like almost is in kind of like a Parker-esque or like Jack Reacher-esque mold at the start where she's like wandering around. She doesn't really talk much. She is like very distrustful of everyone. Like it takes a while and a like fairly unique person to like really kind of like chip down any of that. And then even then, like the reason she ends up in this whole situation is that you know she's feeling protective in a way that she once sort of felt of aj and distrustful of other people and is like i need to be here so that i can like kill these girls if this is like going to go bad basically right and it does and it does and she does yeah i mean like that is another thing about like the sort of like (laughs) the power creep of walking dead that like The people who are still alive at this point are, like, so adept at killing zombies Mm -hmm. that it's, like, a nonchalant thing. Like, unless you're already in, like, a terrible situation that's, like, difficult to escape from, zombies, like, just aren't a threat. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that is a weird, like... There's a weird, like, nonchalance about the way that, like, zombies are encountered in this book. Yeah, I do think, like that there's an element of that which you can also like kind of lay on the art because I would say that like scenes like really kinetic scenes, really kind of actiony scenes are not really in her wheelhouse. So I did find like, I mean, maybe part of it is that it's intended to look like, oh, like another day, another zombie, I'll cut its head off or whatever. Um, but I did often find like in those scenes where they're depicted fighting zombies, it was either like, a lot of figures that kind of like looked very stiff, like you couldn't really feel sort of like the weight of, you know, the axes that they're all swinging around or like the, the kind of like kinetic energy going into the effort that it actually takes to like kill a zombie basically, or for the scenes that were like a bit more intense and action. It was just quite like confused, like the, the whole, the scene with Tim, when he like, holds off the zombies in the chasm and gets bitten. Like I just could like barely really even tell what was going on in a lot of that scene. So, you know, I, I do think there's an element to it where it's just sort of like, it's just not one of her strengths as an artist to be put into these more sort of like traditional action and like action adventure type of scenes and like fight scenes, especially. Um, which is a little surprising, I guess, because she did another book in which kind of like athletic feats are are a part of it. Sure. And I wouldn't have said that like in spinning, it's like, oh, you can't feel like the energy. You can't feel like the weight of the bodies or whatever. But sure. And I, I who knows? Maybe part of it is that it's like you've got to draw this girl who is on crutches and fighting zombies at the same time. And it's like that's that will look awkward because it is awkward. But just generally, I found, like, you know, and, like, as I'm paging through here as well, like, when those Amish girls first run into her and hold up their guns, I'm like, I think this is maybe the first time Tilly Walden has ever drawn a gun. It <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just, like, looks so crazy. It's, it, it just, like, does kind of put on display, like... This is not something that she would maybe sort of, like, naturally come to. It's not necessarily her, like, perfect wheelhouse, you know, those sorts of considerations. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, you're hitting on a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. Like, I don't really like the art in this. I don't really like the way that, like, Clementine looks. I feel like it looks a little too... I mean this is mean to say maybe. But like I I do feel like it kind of looks like a like young person's art or like you know like a fan comic kind of thing where it's like I did a sketch of Clementine and I and I don't know what creates that but for some reason it just feels less like polished and less like tight in the way that you know I've over the last two books certainly that I've sort of like become accustomed to her art looking. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's her trying to draw in more of a walking dead style. And that sort of like creates issues because there are moments where it's like her style creeps through very clearly, but then it's like, even like the way she draws faces in this, I think is close. Like she's trying to do more of a walking dead style than she is like her own style. Yeah. I was going to say as well that I felt like the, the thing that I really noticed is that like none of the faces really look like, Tilly Walden faces as I have like kind of come to expect them I did like yeah I don't know maybe it is that she's trying to work in a slightly more sort of like realist style than she normally Mm. would but I wouldn't have like necessarily said that it is like a realist style going on in this book it might be that just like working off of basically like someone else's character designs isn't something she's super comfortable with. Cause even like to to look at her next to Amos, it does feel like he is like a character who yes. comes more naturally to her. He looks more like a Tilly Walden character. That does make Absolutely. me yeah, kind of be like, maybe maybe she just like doesn't really like having to draw somebody else's design. Yeah, and I think that's what's weird about this comic mm-hmm. is like, because like I I didn't read it firsthand. I just saw someone mention it on these Reddit comment threads that I was looking at. But like apparently, like she hadn't played the games. She was like, I don't know why they asked me to do this either. <laughs> <laughs> and then like Speed ran the like she like binged the games before she, like after she decided to come on and was like, I have a take on this. But like I think. It, the big problem with this book and i do want to get back to the art but i think the like if there's a big problem with this book it's that like it's trying to serve so many masters at the same time and it's like it's not really that clear like who this is for i mean it's also like it doesn't really like justify its own <laughs> existence really it's like why are we making another walking dead book it's about Clementine, because Clementine is, like, a popular character. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, another thing people have a problem Is It's, like, people see it as a cash grab, because it's, like, you're taking the name Clementine and, like, making a character who sort of diverges from what we know of this character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just, like, the, okay, the Walking Dead people don't like it. Or at least the video game people don't like it. Like, I <laughs> didn't care for it as much as her other work. mm mm-hmm. and, and, like, I can't imagine, like a young adult or, like, a mainstream comics fan being like, I'm going to pick this up. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't heard of Walking Dead, but this sounds cool. <laughs> like, And so it's like, ultimately, who is this, like, trying to appeal to? Yeah, I do think that, like, I can understand the sort of, like, corporate logic that that, mm-hmm. like, or, like, the corporate calculus of this because it is like, okay – Walking Dead already like right there, you've got kind of a crossover hit where it's like this is something popular and recognizable outside of just like the comic shop, like people, people who don't read comics know what Walking Dead is. Step two, like one of the most popular characters associated with like anything to do with the series has never like been in a comic. People, like, are clamoring for more. We've acquired, like, the rights to her, basically, it sounds like was part of the kind of, like, telltale shutdown was, like, Skybound gets all of, like, the Walking Dead stuff, including Clementine. Because they helped they helped release the last game because like it was being worked on when telltale shut down and like the the skybound x story is called clementine lives which is like kind of and that was like something like robert kirkman also like tweeted i think as part of like the announcement of like we're involved now so i do think that people saw it as sort of like this character might never be in anything again and then robert kirkman sort of like reaches out and like plucks her to to like save her and then it's like all right now here she comes in a comic you know, had the like the the element of the last game where it's like this is a queer character um, or or at the very least, like there is a path in which she's a queer character. So then he's like, well, there's also like, <laughs> you know, this extremely celebrated cartoonist Tilly Walden, who is also sort of like a crossover success where. She has built a name and a career for herself outside of the traditional comics scene. She lends a certain like critical clout to whatever her name is going to be put on. She has made her name as a writer of like coming of age stories about queer teenage girls. So it's it does in some ways seem sort of like a match made in heaven in in a lot of ways. But it does like I, I think I probably like it more than you did, but it does have a certain like work for hire smack around it. In the in a similar way to kind of like what we talked about with Darwin Cook and and the Silk Spectre stuff, where it felt sure. very much in comparison to Minutemen where he came in and he was like I have an idea for this that I want to do. This does feel more like similarly with him, how they had to be like, will you pretty please do a Silk (laughs) Spectre story as well? And he eventually like, so so he like was prompted to think about it and was like, I do have like a thing I, I I have come up with something. It does have that same sort of like, I sat down and thought about it and I have come up with something as opposed to something that she feels like excited about per se, or like that, that you could, it just does feel like the initiating, like kind of driving energy was not creative, but commercial. Right. That's a good way to put it. And like, I do like the emotional stuff in this. Like I like the sort of arc that they, that she like puts on Clementine. I, I feel like if anything, it's like that comic is sort of like being underserved by having to be a walking dead comic. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by like, Having too many masters is like, like <laughs> I've said before, like, I don't really care for a Walking Dead comic. Like, I don't really care about, like, they had to shoot a freaking horse and a freaking guy died because he got bit. It's like, I don't care. I do <laughs> not care. And the idea of, like, and I think, like, probably what she was drawn to or, like, what she was like, I have a take on this is like, here's this girl who is, like, so young but has been through, like, this impossibly, like, overwhelming, oppressive, like, so, she's been through so much in such a mm-hmm. short amount of time. And, and even to just be like, and I'm going to put her together with, like, a bunch of other teenagers and, like, it, you know, think about how for anyone to be, like, a teenager who is alive means that they yeah. probably have a similar story in some shape or form of, like, you know, they have also seen people die. They've also had to make like difficult life or death decisions as like very young people. They all have like this this trauma of these things that they had to do to survive and like putting them all together in kind of like a prolonged bottle episode does make for like an interesting dynamic. Yeah, like she doesn't. She doesn't seem to. She doesn't care about like a Negan or a the Governor. Yeah, or even like or, a Rick Grimes. Like yeah. she doesn't care about the adult leaders or of or like just the like the world. social structure, uh, like at right. large, really. Right. Like the only, pretty much the only characters we see are like kids, or like not necessarily solitary, but like I'm thinking about like the guy who helps her with her prosthetic. Mm-hmm. And then Tim being, like, the two main adult characters are just, like, pretty, like, solitary, like, separate from the, like, main order of things, like, and are just, like, people that help her. Which, I, mm-hmm. which you know, gets back to that sort of theme of, like, your life is, like, a benefactor of, like, all the people who have taken a bullet for you, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think, like, that's the stuff she's interested in exploring, certainly, and I feel like that's like the take there. But then, and like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is a version of this where it's like, I wrote a version where there's like no zombies, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And then I like felt an obligation to put some zombies in. I mean, I do. There are some like elements of like the zombiness and like the walking deadness and just the sort of like genre ness of it all that I do appreciate. Like, you know i i will say that probably one of the like most played things in walking dead anything is like someone's been bit but they're out of immediate danger but like they've been bit and we all know it so it's time for the like kind of you know deathbed conversation even though they're like you know they're fine and they seem completely normal but everyone knows like blah 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 and yet it still does always kind of like work every time and that is sort of like the crux of that whole tim conversation is like i am effectively now dead but like am still alive, so like I'm yeah, now like, going to like get my ghost in part one. Yeah. Basically. Um I do I always like that kind of thing. Um the like twist reveal of like this, you know, we're doing it all for our mother who is a zombie? Um, I feel like oh, that's what that was. That that was my interpretation <laughs> of it. Yes. Um, You're probably right. Which, which is again, like not the first time we've had a thing where, you know, someone is like, I'm doing it for someone who is, yeah, a zombie. Or, or someone talks about their like family member who lives with them, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like shock reveal, it's like a zombie chained up in the basement who they like lure people in to feed to them or whatever. But again, I was like, she's a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) That, I mean, like, I think that that is, like, to get back to the art, like, I found it incredibly difficult at many times to parse, like, what I was looking at at any given time. Which is, like, I feel like that's something I've talked about with Tilly Walden before, maybe, like, End of Summer or something. Uh, Yeah, or or Lost in, um, not Lost in Space, On a Sunbeam was one where I think... At times, it was a challenge. Right. And so, like, this one is, like, uh, the way that I, like, sort of thought of this was, like, it looks like Tilly Walden mixed with Hobtown. Mm. (laughs) Where, like, there's so much line. It's, like, the classic, like, way too much line work. (laughs) Not too much, but, like, an overabundance of line work, like, for a certain effect that I'm getting in. It's so, like there are just pages where it's like there are so they're like a billion lines and like I don't really like I, like I'm just looking at like a given page and it's like she's looking at something and I guess this is supposed to be a door but it kind of looks like a painting on a wall and also like because so much of it is based around like decaying architecture which mm-hmm. is like you know sort of very fitting of Tilly Walden also yeah. but that it's like because it's like decaying, like it doesn't look like we're accustomed to having it look. And also like there are so many lines that it's like hard to tell where like one thing ends and another thing begins. Yeah. Well, and that's especially true. I don't know if we're looking at the same sections, but she'll often do kind of like montage type things where she does away with look panel borders. Um, and that like, you know only only serves to like kind of further confuse things because all the images are kind of like bleeding together. Yeah. And also she's going back to a pure grayscale rather than incorporating those little elements of color, which can serve to create some separation between foreground and background. Mm-hmm. I will say that is like a very much like we're doing a Walking Dead comic thing. So we will. Sure. So we will do this. And in fact, like the gray tones in this were done by the guy who like did the gray tones for the main walking dead book. Um, so I do think that that was kind of a, like, you know, brand synthesis sort of like motivated decision as opposed to her being like, I want to do it in gray. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is really like the parts it, it, I mean, I've said it several times, already, but like, it feels like it's serving two masters. It feels like, there is a good Tilly Walden comic here and probably like a pretty good walking dead comic. Like I like the idea of like the sort of like homesteaders mm-hmm. and that they're trying to sort of like set, like trying to build something. Like usually I feel like that's where like we see a time skip in the walking dead. Yeah. It's like here we we're in this place. And then six months later we have like a partially functioning society. Whereas this is like, we have basically nothing. Let's try and like get, get something going. Mm-hmm. And so that I think is like a fun idea, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I do I there are parts of like The Walking Dead of it all that work for me quite well. I do appreciate kind of like the focus on the younger characters. I think the setting is like a very unique one as far as kind of like both The Walking Dead and just sort of like zombie stories generally. Um and and I just kind of like the the sort of like extension of you know zombie stories are at their core all survival stories and so to like take someone who is like part of a zombie survival story and then mostly remove the zombies and then be like instead this is a like young adult survival adventure in the same vein as like Everest or like (laughs) yeah exactly um you read Everest the Gordon Corman book sure did oh those are so good those are good remember when freaking slides down the thing mm, I still like <laughs> been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey lately uh, and like I'll be climbing a mountain and see like a thing like jetting out over top of me and I'll be like ah a problem <laughs> which is like a like bouldering term that I learned from those books and be like if only the people at Everest could watch me easily navigate this problem <laughs> <laughs> um I'm but anyways freaking climb wrap yeah I do I do, I do think I, that there is like it is kind of grounded in those sorts of like young adult outdoor survivalist adventures in a way that I think is really cool I yeah I I mean maybe what I'm sort of like saying it around about ways that it's making the most of a bad situation but I do think like yeah I, I mean that's a good way to I put would it. definitely agree with you that compared to her other stuff like it does rank a little bit lower for me than pretty much anything she's done since sort of her earliest work. But compared to other walking dead stuff, I'm like, that's I would put this quite, (laughs) quite high personally. (laughs) That is what I was thinking is like, I definitely wouldn't rather be reading a walking dead book where it's like a tribe of 10 people and Bobby's wife is sick, but Bobby doesn't want people to know he's sick. And so Bobby shoots thomas and like Mm. i hate that stuff it's so boring uh and so like like i said like i think it is like a good walking dead story a good idea for a walking dead story and i like that even even just like kind of i mean i know we said she's sort of disinterested with like the society stuff but having like kind of a minor subplot be clementine starting to think about like should I learn like how to be an electrician or like how to be like a phone technician or something I think is like an interesting idea. I think the notion of like, we will trade you a season's work for like a one way plane ride to anywhere is like a good idea for like, like it makes sense as to why people other than, I mean, other than Amos who is just like, I would love to ride in a plane, but you can (laughs) see how like in that world someone would be like, I go there, I work for a few months and then at the end they can take me like anywhere in the country risk free basically. Like you can see how right. f- people would sort of do like yeah. the math on that and be like it's worth it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say, say she's uninterested in the society exactly. I guess like she's more interested in the way that characters relate to society than she is about like the structure of things. Yeah. Like, that's, that's she's, more she's kind not, of what I mean where like the only, she's not interested in the people in power. Yeah. Like all we see is this like Amish community, which is like basically for all intents and purposes presented as like virtually unchanged um, because of like, you know, the, all of the, like the relationships between those communities and technology and things like that. Like, and and their more sort of isolated nature to begin with. It makes sense that like a collapse like the zombie apocalypse wouldn't be as like profoundly felt there as in other places. And then the only other place we really see is the like compound where the twins mother lives. And that is like they like run through the halls <laughs> to like get to a plane yeah. and leave there's like a butler yeah so even even that like when they got there and there was like anyone there other than the mom i was like oh (laughs) there's people there where i was kind of like i was so disengaged from like the broader world that it like didn't even occur to me that the mother wouldn't be living alone (laughs) right i mean there and there's some good bits of the amish village as well like the door guard who's in training. Yes. <laughs> like, just a weird, funny thing to throw in. And, like, I, I do like the idea of, like, the Amish dentist, who is now also the Amish prosthetist, <laughs> because, like, so many people require prosthetic limbs in this world. Yeah. Is a good bit. Um, I mean... What else do we want to talk about? Amos? <laughs> we didn't do our plot summary. We didn't do our plot summary. But basically, Clementine is just sort of chilling. She wants to go north for whatever reason. I don't know if there's like a secret reason for the the video games. No, there's... So I think this is where I can understand. Someone might be like, why would you write like her main motivation out of the story so that you can tell a story in which her motivation is, I want to go north to an unknown, unspecified (laughs) place for no particular reason. Like I will say... I get like I get why she did it because like to come at it and be like, uh, I'm saddled with like all this backstory, all these extra characters, this school is like not really that interesting to me as sort of like yeah. you know, the place to set my story, etc. etc. Basically she's like, I need to unload all this stuff and like get Clementine back out on the road. Yeah, well that's the thing is like that's the other thing with Walking Dead, it's like like us establishment is like inherently undramatic because it's like if you're in like a safe place where like you're not zombies are not an imminent threat then like that's less interesting by mm-hmm. default yeah so you know i do i do get why narratively she wanted to do that and it is like just sort of weird throughout for it to be like and clementine's going um somewhere <laughs> and yeah, for some and, reason and- And she does sort of give an explanation later on where she she talks about, like, the idea that, you know, she didn't want to stay at the school because, like, she felt like she was a liability there. And she gives more explanation to it. Maybe I'm trying to find the part. Um, But, you know, she she does talk about that, Um, which I think people. Another thing I saw (laughs) on Reddit is, like, in the Skybound X, people were like it's so stupid that like she left AJ for basically no reason. And then later I saw someone that was like, well, like at least they sort of retcon this idea that she like left for no reason. Like they gave an, uh, they gave more of an explanation as to why she leaves, which is like, even if I don't like it, is a little more satisfying to me from a character standpoint rather than her just like up and deciding Mm -hmm. to desert him. I mean, I kind of liked what she did in that one more because like basically what she says is like, I'm not happy and like staying here isn't going to make me happy. And like basically like even, even like you can't make me happy. And so I need to like go somewhere else because even if I'm still not happy, at least I can like, see if I can find something that will make me happy. Which I guess that just, like, it doesn't jive with the idea that, like, she has devoted her entire life to keeping this person alive. Yeah, but then, like, now she's, like- if you've found sort of, like, a settled place where he's, like, safe for the foreseeable future and you, like, trust the other people around and, like, basically you're, like, whether I'm here or not, he's going to be fine, then she's basically sort of, like, purposeless and in the same kind of vein as... You know the the like wandering badass. It does make more sense for her to be like, I I don't have like anything to do here that somebody else can't do, so I'm just going to leave because I can't really bear to like just be stuck in one spot with nothing to like do or nothing like not feeling like I'm contributing basically. Sure, I mean like I I think I do like the explanation she used more. I think just because like I like this sort of idea of, like, each person's life is, like, this, like, timeline of mm-hmm. the people that died instead, which is, like, you know, and especially, like, coming from the Walking Dead game, that's, like, so explicitly what it is. Because you have these sort of, like, marked decision points, which are often someone dying. And so it's, like, you know, every every step is, like, and then... It, like, we were in an impossible situation, and so this person sacrificed themselves. Like, there are, like, ten of those in the in the games. Mm-hmm. And so I do like the idea that, that she's, like, I can't bear any more people. <laughs> like, like, I don't want, like, any more, like, blood on my timeline. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm just by myself, then, like, there's no one that, like, I'm beholden to for my life. And, like, if I die, I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even just like when she basically says like I'm just like tired of watching people die, <laughs> like right. makes sense based on your uh, your life. Yeah, do we want to talk about? Do <laughs> we can talk about Rika? Rika? I believe that is her name. Yes, Rika was was how I read it. Sure. Who is you know she's she's fun (laughs) yeah she's great I liked her yeah there was a funny thing that I read uh, Tilly Walden say about her where she basically was like she's me (laughs) which I thought again (laughs) was uh, unsurprising to me and amusing that I now can't find yeah Um, but I mean like very it's it's very clear I feel like even even down to like her sort of like sense of humor is, like, very sardonic, but then also she's, like, more, like, she has more of an optimism than Clementine, even, like, I mean, it's also, like, this sense of optimism, but also, like, in the face of and acknowledging this, like, incredible melancholy is also, like, a very Tilly Walden thing. I don't, like, I'm not sure if I did it per se... I mean I guess Not I optimism, guess like exactly. Clementine is the most sort of like cynical character of them other yeah. than uh the one twin the evil twin but I mean but, I think she's just like crazy Yeah <laughs> I I mean but I do think that kind of like generally she talks quite a bit sort of throughout about how a lot of her interest in Clementine as a character and in approaching this book is that like basically you meet her as this like young person who you want to like protect and keep innocent. And then as the games go on, she becomes like the character who you sort of like inhabit. And so you like want to be her and she's super cool, etc., etc. And so it's sort of like, how do you, how do you like balance this like character whose appeal is like part, I want to be her and part, like I want to protect her and, you know, make sure nothing bad happens to her and and to like kind of bring amos in as a character who is closer to her own age and yet is in many ways like <laughs> much much closer to her as we met her at the beginning as this sort of like beacon of innocence yeah and and like optimism and hopefulness and just like cheerfulness that is so like obviously gone from her is yeah i do think that it's kind of interesting as sort of like the overarching emotional arc for her in some ways to be like the world is bad and you can still like s- approach it with a sense of like hope and with a desire to be someone who is like cheerful and, <laughs> and, and and like part of the solution in some ways or like, you know. Yeah. And I guess that, that is what Rika sort of is, is like that middle point between like, she's not innocent, like Amos, like she has the same, it seems like experiences as Clementine But it also sort of recognizes that, like, you can't just be, like, a dour zombie killing person Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. What else? I mean, like, there's, I mean, I feel like there's not that much. I mean, like, the, the, the big moment, spoilers, uh, where Amos gets killed. R.I.P. Did you find that effective? I found that effective. I was surprised. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by it. I feel like though, as I was reading it, I was like, I think I was spoiled of this at some point somehow. Like I like stumbled across this somehow, not, not in that. Like I was like, Oh, this isn't a surprise at all. I just was sort of like when it happened, I was like, Oh, I think I read something about this. (laughs) So that, that did sort of like, you know, impact the, the overall, uh, effect of it but i did I did think it was effective. You know, it the the whole book had been sort of like simmering these tensions and building up towards the one twin in particular, kind of breaking that at some point. So, yeah, I did think it was like surprising. I did think it was effective, although I thought like kind of the most effective thing with her is like after the avalanche when she's trapped under the snow and basically just like, going crazy and, like, screaming at them, well. well also, like, a frozen zombie is <laughs> trying to bite her. <laughs> that was more right. so the part where I was kind of like, what a tragic figure. Sure. But, uh, but you know, poor one out for Amos. He was too good for this, uh, this world. Truly. Yeah, I guess I kind of, like, part of me is like, I should have seen this coming because it's Walking Dead and, like, there are only so many characters and so of course someone's gonna die but i was still kind of surprised like i was like i feel like we were all just getting along (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes because this is like when it when it happens it is sort of like you know all the problems seem to have been solved they're like in the home stretch and then it simply must go wrong and it does (coughs) And like, I don't know. Even though it is kind of like she's crazy, I felt like it made sense. I I was, I was more. This doesn't make sense about Amos having sex with the whichever character I, again. Also, Olivia. like to make to make two identical twins is so evil. <laughs> she loves In her a book twins. where it's like already confusing about like what's going on. But yes that I thought was like weirder and like, you know, like understandable, you know, you're alone (laughs) and I mean, whatever situation in some ways I was kind of like, it's refreshing to not have the whole, like, you know, the sexual guilt of like the repressed Amish boy. Like, sure. I was kind of like, I don't know. We've seen that a million times in a million different like ways, shapes, forms. But at the same time, I was also like, I mean it's not like there's been any other part of him other than like the the you know he's doing it all to ride on the plane and he's not supposed to ride on the plane but it's not like there had been any other part of him that was ever explored where it was like maybe this isn't like as important as I like I thought it was or as it had been to me previously or any kind of like maybe I won't go back or you know anything along those lines really and then you again even afterwards it's he's not like maybe I won't go back or anything like this. He's just like that was something. <laughs> he's like that's my wife now. Um, and because like that character is like sort of like cartoonishly innocent, it, beca- it it was just a little weird to me. And you know whatever. Ultimately, is there anything else we want to talk about before we do our Tilly Walden wrap up again? Like I didn't dislike reading this. It is like a little dense, like I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, if it's like a factor of how many words are on a given page, but I do feel like a lot of times the less I enjoy a comic, the longer it feels <laughs> like it is. I mean, yeah, I do like, I think the hallmark of a good comic in terms of like, you know, measuring the efficacy of the storytelling and how much you're enjoying it is to get into that kind of like flow state where, you know, like watching a movie, like you don't really feel the time going by because you are in like the world of the story. And I also like, I think that maybe more so than any other medium, when a comic is like not doing it for you, like every panel feels like a chore and there's like, you know so many panels on a page (laughs) and I did I had that feeling at least once where I was like look I turned a page and I was like why are there so many words on these pages (laughs) and it's like I don't think it is a particularly like textually dense book but it did feel like it's like I have to read all of this yeah um and and like especially like when you're not feeling it and you just kind of like glide over panels but then that just makes it even harder to kind of like keep track of what's going on because every you know every panel contains in some ways so much information but it is like comparatively short to some of the other stuff we've looked at i think it clocks yeah. in at 227 250 yeah so you know that's that's a fair bit shorter than even uh are you listening well and of course we'll be We'll be covering the next two books. (laughs) We will be covering the next two books. So, did you see that screenshot I sent you? No, I don't think so. Allow me to read verbatim from uh, the Wikipedia stub uh, about Clementine Book 2. In Clementine Book 2, Clementine and her new friends are rescued by an island community led by an enigmatic doctor called Miss Morrow. (laughs) The island of Dr. Morrow. Mm -hmm. Great. Also the name of... uh, One chapter of 52 because T.O. Moro is on that island of crazy doctors, and one of them is called the Island of Dr. Moro. That's that island of crazy doctors is funny, (laughs) and it sounds like we're about to get another one. 52 is great, who knows someday i mean it doesn't make sense because it's in (laughs) so many (laughs) on the patreon i would love to find a way to talk about 52 sometime directly but i love 52 anyways it's crazy that we we we're both like i love 52 when it is like one of the most like like, demented undertakings possibly imaginable (laughs) and like one of the most like continuity thick books imaginable and also for it to be like an early comic for both of us in which it's like all the characters you recognize are gone, but like get ready <laughs> yeah. for booster gold and animal man. <laughs> Truly like booster gold was like my favorite superhero <laughs> for a while, just because he's like the main character of 52 basically. And I like, I read the booster gold comic book. It's yeah. Okay. One of the, uh, one of the more Wikipedia requiring comics I've ever read sure. for sure. But, uh, but yes, there will be, uh, two more volumes of this. Uh, I don't think anything has changed with regards to well, not if the Reddit community. Would happen? Well, so yeah, the Reddit community also often wants to get its own way. Uh, I was telling you before we started recording that this came out too recently. It did just come out on uh, July twenty second or June twenty second. Um, so it's like too recent for us to really have uh, sales numbers, but we are in the place where shops have to place their like advanced reorders. In other words, like, you know, buying, buying more stock. Um, and amongst graphic novels, Clementine book one was fourth in June and, and it came out in the last week of June. So like, right. You know, it, people were obviously wanting more copies of it. And then again, 11th in, uh, in July. July. Yeah. So it, you know, and that's without factoring in Tilly Walden's kind of traditional best market, which would be like the bookstore. And, you know, I do think that the hope is that this will be kind of in the like, young adult section, or, you know, the comics and graphic novel section of a Barnes and Noble or what have you and be picked up by those readers. So if it's doing well, in the comics market, I don't necessarily see any reason to assume that it's not also going to be doing pretty well in the sort of traditional bookstore market. Right. And I guess June, 2023 apparently is uh, when that's coming. Yeah. So still a ways away. Um, The one thing I did want to talk about. So the one, the, the major Tilly Walden (laughs) effort that we did not talk about is Uh her picture book. Yes. My parents won't stop listening. Yes. Sorry. My parents won't stop talking. Um and no one. I was searching this online because I went crazy. So in in the acknowledgements of Clementine, uh-huh. did you see this? That uh, that she thanks her wife Emma. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, <laughs> that she thanks her wife Emma, who is Emma Hunsinger. who oh, did that how to draw horse thing. And that's who she. Well, I mean, I'm assuming because like that's who she did the book with, right? That my parents yeah, will stop talking. I didn't but. connect those dots. I did uh, I did mention like, yeah, she did that how to draw a horse thing, and she was the collaborator on that book. <laughs> yeah. And so like I was furiously Googling. I was like, Emma Hunsinger Tilly Walden Mary, question <laughs> mark. And and like, I, I found all these interviews because they did like joint press for um like my parents won't stop talking and stuff. And it literally is just like the co-authors, Emma Hunsinger and Tilly Walden, like, sat down for an interview. And then the interview is like, yeah, we were quarantining together in Vermont and we started working on this. <laughs> well, like, there is no, like, there is no mention of, like, this is her wife. They are married to each other. <laughs> and I was just going insane because I was like, is it possibly a different person? But then when I saw, like, we were quarantining together, I was like, oh, this must be. Yeah, that feels unlikely for sure. But isn't that weird? Like you would never see if a husband and wife, oh yeah, made a comic together or a book together. Like it would say a husband and wife, but like they're married and like nothing talks about it. That is that is uh, quite something. I certainly never uh, pieced it together, but it uh, it does make sense. And you're right. I do feel like normally, especially like just like when two comics professionals are married, people like know about it, even if they don't on Wikipedia page. It's not mentioned anywhere. I mean, like, neither of them have a very, like, heavy social media right. presence. So it's not, like, shown yeah, there. I mean, either. even, like, just getting to the end of it and being like, she's married. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> News that, to me. I, that's what, like, <laughs> that's what, like, set me off as, to was like, my wife. Who are you, Borat? <laughs> um... But yes, I guess, like, Emma Hunsinger also went to the Center for Cartoon Studies, so that's the mm-hmm. the connection there, I suppose. It all tracks. Um, I also read yeah, that she I, bought a house, so congrats. Cheers. Is it in one of those, like, real estate magazines or whatever? No, it was, like, an interview that I read where she was talking about basically, like, why she wanted to... Um, said it in vermont and it was because she was like i got married and bought a house so i'm gonna be in vermont for a long time it seems like and so i was like what would it be like to be in vermont for a long time (laughs) and like you know like uh, i guess clementine probably predates the pandemic but like she was like quarantining in a house in vermont Mm -hmm. with her wife so i mean this does have a certain like quarantining vibe like sure we described it as sort of like a bottle episode but it is like there's one like shack five people are living in it the only place they can go is like out into the woods (laughs) like you know to to like work outside or like hunt or you know do outdoor activities and then at the end of the night or the end of the day or other they all just like end up back in that hut together with like nothing to do but like talk to each other or like read the same book (laughs) (laughs) read the dictionary literally yeah so i guess that uh more or less brings us to the conclusion of our Tilly Walden miniseries. One of, I think, Ooh, I mean, it's hard because I feel like I always end up like <laughs> at the end being liking. like one of my favorite creators. <laughs> and also just like when I went into this, I wasn't too sure about like what this would be like, but it turned out to be great. Whereas like, I guess like this one, you were like, you'll like this. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did uh, call my shot at the top for this one. I was pretty sure you would be quite into these ones. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, we'll we'll do our rankings in a second. But, you know, a couple in particular are like, you know, certainly would be in the top whatever of anything we've done. Mm-hmm. We should do that. We should rank, do uh, rank everything. <laughs> yeah, on on our on next episode, because, you know, I think people already know if they are keen eared <laughs> listeners that we'll be doing the second Hobtown Mysteries for our. Palette cleanser. Yes, uh, as we say on Bevy of Bevies, strike that from the record. Editorial, David, <laughs> kill that. <laughs> so you know, I think there'll be less necessarily to talk about with that because we'll have what we already sort of talked about all the the hobtown of it all. So we could do that as well. We could do our our Omega rank. Crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. Oh, I, I mean, mean, it's also like it'll it'll just take it me is- a while to sit down and really peer at that. <laughs> It is also, like, if we're if you're taking Zot as one comic and, like... Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like, Brian K. Vaughn is, like, 20 episodes, but it's only, like, five yeah. comics. Yeah. We have not... Uh, our rankings have been pretty inconsistent in terms of, like, I'm pretty sure we ranked Zot, like, three different times when we did the Scott Breakdown. Probably. But it is time for us to... I mean, well, what, what more is there to say about Tilly... Tilly Tilly, generally speaking... Um, there was a quote from robert kirkman that oh yeah she i did see that It was like oh not just of <laughs> comics but the future period now i mean she is still yeah, I mean, only like, what like 26 27 now maybe isn't she she's younger than me so she is turning 26 this yeah, year so or has turned you know who <laughs> who knows her her career could well outlast this podcast <laughs> oh, lord willing i hope for her sake it does so we will we will be seeing you know returning to her i'm sure many many times in the future as she continues to uh be a productive creator and a celebrated one and um you know especially as one who appears to like work at a pretty quick pace there was sort of a a lull between are you listening and clementine but um you know, as I said, like, I do think that some of that was just getting the sort of like corporate ducks in a row. I did see an interview also where she said she had kind of taken a break from graphic novels for a bit at the time that she was approached to do Clementine. So, but, but she seems to basically be able to put out like a book a year when she is sort of like focused on, on that stuff. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see plenty more from her uh, through the rest of the Clementine trilogy and beyond. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I, I would never be like, I don't want to, (laughs) I, I would all, I would always be willing to read something that she puts out, but it did just make me a little depressed that you, when you said that and I was like, oh, right. The next two things she puts out will be two more Clementine Mm -hmm. books. And, you know, I'm pretty open again. Like I didn't hate this certainly compared to the last two books we did. You know, it just is not of the same level. But I mean, it's also just a case of you've set an incredibly high bar for yourself, mm-hmm. and like for me reading your stuff, and so if it's like a six point five out of ten, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. But yeah, I mean, I can totally imagine a world where one of these comes out, and I'm like, this one's really good. Yep. I mean, heck, an island of Doctor Moreau reference off the top, <laughs> I'm in. Uh huh. <laughs> So shall we rank Tilly Tilly? So what we did three the end of summer. Uh, I love this part and a city inside. Right, a city inside. What happened to that one? (laughs) (laughs) You loved that part. (laughs) That's the one where she's like in therapy and goes to the future question mark. There's a there's a city inside her. Yes. Oh yes, that one's awesome. It's just we, I I conflate because we did those three, well, especially like I love this part in the city inside. I kind of conflate those two. Oh man, that one's really good. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Okay, so we're ranking seven things here. That is correct. my number seven is Clementine book. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. You am I? Oh, we're doing we're going, going back, back, and, and, back forth? and forth. All right. I don't remember how we usually My it. number seven, prepare yourself, a city inside. Okay, that's fine. Well, yeah, we talked about how you didn't like it yeah. as much. Um, my number six is the end of summer. My number six, the end of summer. My number five, prepare yourself, I assume, is spinning. Wow. This is a light prepare myself. My number five is I love <laughs> this part. My number four is I love this part. My number four prepare yourself is spinning okay interesting my number Ooh, yeah i think my number three is are you listening (laughs) my number three is clementine book one wow so you did like this one um do you do you want (laughs) to add anything since i feel like i spent most of the episode being like this is what i don't like about it Uh, Yeah, I did think that it was just sort of interesting to see her kind of have to stretch herself outside of her comfort zone. I do think that having kind of some more clear sources of like dramatic tension, of conflict, things like that did help to have it or give it like a bit more of a cohesive kind of narrative and conflict than we've seen in a lot of her other stuff, even more so than stuff that I have ranked above it, which is like not necessarily good or bad, since again, the like stuff that I think was a little bit less cohesive narratively is still ranking in above it. I did think that like art wise, I'm not sure exactly what was going on, whether she was like working under a deadline, trying to work in a different style or what I, I wasn't really crazy about the art either, generally speaking, but Yeah, I just thought it was kind of refreshing and fun to see her playing in sort of a different world. And I thought that for the most part, the ways in which she might have been sort of challenged and pushed beyond what would normally be her comfort zone yielded like some good and interesting results, especially sort of in consideration or in terms of her bibliography as a whole. Yeah, that's interesting. You say that about sort of the idea of there being sort of like an inherent dramatic tension because I do feel like sort of looking at this list, it's like with her, it's like the less exterior conflict, the better. <laughs> I mean there's a I, I might have linked this to you before, but there's a really good uh, New Yorker, I think it is profile of Celine Siama, mm-hmm. the director um, who is also a queer woman. And I and there's something she talks about sort of the idea of like, you know the, the, the title or the headline title the article is uh Celine siama's quest for a new feminist grammar of cinema and one of the things she talks about in that in that profile is the idea that like that a store that storytelling doesn't have to inherently be about like a conflict between people mm-hmm. um i have this quote here i feel like i've read this on a podcast before, <laughs> but i'm gonna go ahead anyways uh so like it's she because it's petite maman. It's about child. Mm-hmm. She is. There, she has like her. It's about child. Yeah, it's about little mother. The movie is with child. Small mommy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're talking, so they're basically they're going through her like grade school era, like notebook when she was child. Exactly. Uh, In one, there was an unfinished story about a lost white dog who wants a warm house with good friends to love him. The dog encounters a series of neighborhood characters and asks if they want a good white dog for Christmas. They all decline. Tasked with writing an ending, six-year-old Siyama came up with one sentence. A chicken offers him her nest, and he says yes. (laughs) That's the ending I want to every story, Siyama told me. I want this ending to my story. I want the chicken. (laughs) In the chicken's magnanimous gesture, Siyama now sees a narrative move away from conflict toward desire. The starting premise of the story is that the dog wants love in a home and can't have them. He has to bargain, portraying himself as a Christmas present rather than as an asylum seeker. Such are the precepts that Siyama absorbed as a screenwriting major at La Femise, the French National Film School. We are born and raised in cinema, being taught that conflict is the natural dynamic of the storyteller, and that a good scene is in a way a good bargain between characters, she said. But she's more interested in what happens if the dog doesn't have to bargain, or importune, or otherwise get past the chicken's defenses. What if the chicken is already amenable? What new shape can the story take? And that's kind of how I feel about Tilly's work as well. Like, I mean I feel like it's just an inherent like desire to see queer women like be happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean but I like, would say that like that is maybe using a narrow definition of conflict beyond what sure, I sure, think sure, people sure. generally mean when they talk about conflict in a story. But uh, but so. but yeah, I, get, I mean certainly with the chicken example, yeah, I get what what I, you're talking about for sure. And I feel like with maybe one exception, when I'm looking at like the top half versus the bottom half of my rankings, it's like the bottom half is more about having like external conflict or like outside forces acting on the characters, and the top half is more about like the characters going through internal journeys. And I feel like that is maybe more what I'm drawn to with her. And so I found it interesting that you brought up like you enjoyed it more when there was like this external conflict to sort of drive things and like create more drama. And maybe that's not exactly what you're saying, but that there was like, you know, outside tension, whereas I'm like, forget this outside. (laughs) tension. I truly was almost like the book should just be about some people living in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I think that. I have the ones that are eh, well. I, I I guess it's kind of like a little all over the place. Um, I do tend to favor the longer stuff by and large. So even ones that sure. ha- like her her more sort of tonal ones also tend to be the shorter ones, which is also like not mm-hmm. per se a knock against it, but it does feel like a it's less. It's hard to compare the, the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although you know, I I, I did put. Um, uh, embroideries above Persepolis when we did Satrapy, which I feel like was, you know, a case of a similar, they have a similar tone, one's shorter and in some ways sweeter for it. But anyways, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not necessarily so much like that. I was like, well, Clementine has conflict. Therefore, I think it's better. It was just interesting to see her put into a position where she was asked to do something different from what she maybe instinctively goes towards. And I thought that the results were, yeah, just interesting and fun to read. And, um, and, and just sort of like something different that made it stand out. And for me, it stood out in a way that was more positive than negative, I would say. And for you, that's <laughs> like the reverse. Yes, perhaps. Um, I'm just reading through, I mean, this is a really good profile. You should read it. I'll link it <laughs> to you right now. Um, but the <laughs> just one really good part uh, in canonical historically male storytelling see I it's suggested the character's desire is itself a source of conflict. I want to be rich but I'm in love with that girl or I have to be the godfather, but I wish I could be an artist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is just a really, I have to be the godfather. is a really potent internal phrase.
0: It is funny to present such a like kind of stock plot and then be like or this other very specific thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish to um, be a pilot anyways. but I must help my uncle tend the farm. <laughs> is that Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> okay. I wish to be a pilot. <laughs> um my number two. I, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe you could flip these. I might have to reread it, but my number two, I think, is a city inside. And I really like there are parts of Are You Listening I really love. And then there are parts that I'm a little more 50-50 on. Whereas a city inside, like, it's so short mm-hmm. that I feel all like, killer, it's no like filler. Yeah, I feel like it's just like all of this is kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. And so. That's why it's above for now. My number two is On a Sunbeam. My number one is On a Sunbeam, which is the one I was talking about. It's like there is more external conflict Mm -hmm. than that one. But I don't know. I like it. (laughs) My number one, of course, Are You Listening? Which, you know, for, for various reasons that we talked about in the last episode, I felt you know, on a sunbeam, I think is really, really good. And as I said on that episode, it's crazy to me that it came out after spinning and people were like, you know, uh, this person did spinning. (laughs) It's like, yeah, but I mean, it's like, anyways, I I did. I I think that, I think that there is an inherent sort of not problem exactly, but like, I do think spinning, like we talked about in the episode and have talked about since like, it is let down by not having that like catharsis like it's not like it's not a conclusion to an arc like we see like the like moment past the apex kind of and I feel like we don't have that like falling action Mm -hmm. and like resolution in the the way that you probably want and again like there are (laughs) reasons for that and it's no less legitimate a work for that reason but I do think it's less enjoyable to read and like I would be certainly less likely to go back and visit it compared to right. are you listening or on a sunbeam. I do also think that it is interesting um that the front cover of Clementine Book One credits her as the like blah 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 award winning author of On a Sunbeam. Yeah. That, and I, I was just like, oh, because it's genre piece? Maybe, but like that's I don't think that's necessarily I think because I, I, f- I just feel like Clementine has a lot more in common with on a sunbeam than it does with spinning. Certain, so, uh, maybe that's not true. Yeah, I, th- I think that probably like I think that some of the stuff that we talked about with Are You Listening, where it's not like she disowns spinning, but I do feel like she is sort of like tired of being like the spinning girl. Sure. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if she had made like a conscious choice to be like. Or we could talk about something else I did that I'm really proud of. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that Are You Listening? hits the top for me because like I talked about in that episode, it just represents for me like both art-wise, character-wise, writing-wise, such a level up from spinning and such a sort of like synth- synthesis of the strengths of uh, spinning it on a sunbeam that I'm just like, man, y- you know, even even though, as I said, also in that, that episode, like I, I don't know that I would say I like enjoyed it, but it is right. just like uh, it's a triumph. So it is certainly a very impactful book. And that's kind of surprising. Like you would probably think going into this that like I would be the one to be championing. Are you listening? And you would be the one to be championing on a sunbeam. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I really like fun. on a sunbeam, and I do think that yeah, <laughs> like I mean yeah i do think the run of like spinning on a sunbeam are you listening is like a pretty crazy three book hot streak clementine is like kind of in a weird spot where it, like, it basically boils down to i enjoyed it more than spinning i don't necessarily think it's better but, than spinning but i achievement. yeah so i i mean it is like i who knows maybe maybe these will shake out to be like you know also triumphs in their own right it does kind of feel like in 15 years looking back at her bibliography it's like oh that's kind of a weird like little section there um i mean even even just based like regardless of quality i feel like it's gonna be weird to look (laughs) back and be like spinning on a sunbeam are you listening three Clementine books and then probably just like five it, more independent graphic novels. It like is almost to the point where I wonder if people like would like read the bibliography, see those books and be like, I wonder what that is and then get to it and be like the walking dead. <laughs> like, it's a walking dead oh, off comic. from a video Clementine? Game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is curious, but um, as I said, I like it. Yeah. And I'll remain optimistic about it because I, love everything she does. Um but that will have to do it for this week's episode I think. Um do we want to talk about what we'll be doing after uh, next week's episode? Sure. Well, next week of course as mentioned, we will be on to the second volume of the Hobtown Mystery Stories, The Cursed Hermit. A wild and crazy book. Uh, and then after that, again, eagle-eared uh, listeners have probably caught the, <laughs> the multiple hints that we have dropped to this effect. But we are going uh, headfirst back into the big two, headfirst back into the mainstream. We are going to yeah, be the big number two, covering uh, uh, really the big three. Um, we are going to be covering the latter works. I will characterize them of. Ed Brubaker, um, which are kind of dividing line here, chosen somewhat arbitrarily. But you know what? I'm actually going to pitch to you on the fly a slight change here. You let me know what you think of this. So our original thought was to do the latter day Ed Brubaker, where the line was just everything that he began writing after he started his run on Captain America, which is kind of the point at which he is solidified as sort of you know, an A-tier, S-tier, like superstar comics creator in the world of like the big two, et cetera, Mm. et cetera. The other thought that I had and which will be hitting a lot of this material in either case is that we could do the collaborative partnership of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, who most of his creator-owned stuff is with and there are several collaborations that they also did that predate uh, the stuff that we're going to be talking about. That is a shorter miniseries, but also like kind of I'm I'm just torn on it. I feel like it's fun to Riptor. be able to hit like all of the Brubaker stuff and like track the transition right. from like superhero like King of the Superheroes basically to like indie phenom who kind of like leads the charge with like the the sort of like image revival in some ways, but also like his partnership with Sean Phillips is such a sort of unique collaboration. Over the course of their respective careers that like, I'm like, that's also interesting in its own right. But we'll talk about so much of that stuff anyways, if we're just covering Brubaker. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't mind sort of going back a little into the superhero world. Like we haven't really done like a superhero ongoing mm-hmm. since, since like, Ultimate like, X-Men. Runaways. Yeah. yeah, one of those I mean, it like goes like the same It time, has been yeah. quite a while. Yeah, okay. I've I've talked myself back out of it again. I'm sure <laughs> like I do think at some point we'll come back and do the like the early brew baker stuff another time. Um so sure. we will. And, and you know, we we have so many long series that it's probably helpful to be like here's one that's just like filling in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, we will stick with the original plan. We are doing everything Baker post Captain America, i.e. he wrote his first issue for that series after he had already started writing Captain America. So that will include his time on Uncanny X-Men, on Daredevil, and then his exodus from uh, Marvel into the uh, independent world and his work on criminal incognito fatal velvet the fade out killer be killed and the reckless books of which you know right now that is scheduled to take us just through to the end of 2022 i suspect by the time we are getting there enough more reckless books will have come out that we might need to do an additional episode in the new year um sure but so that will be that will be yeah, the next four months. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Are you regretting this now? Uh, no. It'll be good. Uh, it's also, it's only three months. So it's even like compared to uh, Vaughn, it will be shorter than that, I believe. Vaughn was a lot. I Vaughn was like, long. But, also like, but it was also like. But there were some more books where I was like. I mean, we did three episodes of Swamp Thing. <laughs> we did two, two like episodes we, of Swamp Thing. Okay, okay. But I feel like if we did that again, we yeah. would not do two episodes I, Swamp I Swamp will Thing. say, like, Brubaker is paced a bit more so to, like, tackle slightly larger chunks of issues than that, I think. Right. If I'm recalling correctly. Maybe not. There's just, there's more variety. Yeah, that's like, for sure. There are three Daredevil episodes, hypothetically, but that's the only time you really have like back to back to back and we could probably condense those down. Yeah. We'll see. Anyways, (laughs) that's all getting cut. (laughs) No, stay stoked, stay pumped. Uh, Ed Brubaker, you know, a luminary of superheroes. I think probably the first, one of the first writers who I followed like as a writer where it was like, If I see his name on a book, even if I don't really know anything else about it, I'll probably buy it. Have you read much of his stuff before? No, I've read some Captain America stuff because I know you love that run. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like The Winter Soldier, but I think that's the only stuff. And of course, I've watched uh, (laughs) the Daredevil movie. (laughs) No, we have. I believe I've previously pitched this to you that. Oh, oh! That we should do. We should do a <laughs> tool <laughs> Too old to, old to die, die young, young episode yeah. <laughs> on the 2019 <laughs> Nicholas Winding Refn Amazon series, so we can get Colin back on. Uh-huh. Colin and I watched that together, so. Uh we can get him back on to discuss Oof, uh Ed executive produced and co-written <sighs> yeah too old. he to also die wrote out. on a season a crazy of crazy i feel like anyways yeah we'll see oh uh, yeah we'll see cuz we're de- he's this is like a <laughs> funny series that we're about to dive into where it's like he's on X-Men at such a weird point in their like kind of history the sto- like his his entry onto Daredevil is kind of a funny thing and then he basically leaves superhero comics to exclusively write noir, a genre you have famously poo-pooed, which we will be talking about for like <laughs> 13 weeks. So, sure. so I don't think that uh, when when all is said and done, you will have uh, a Tilly Walden level affection for Ed Brubakers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, sure. but he is one of my favorite creators, certainly in sort of the mainstream world. And... Um, and is kind of one of the one of the people I had in mind when we were first sort of formulating the uh, the the podcast as a whole that I was like, he would be someone who would be fun to uh, to cover and to talk about. So that we will be doing. Sure. And I'll we'll do an episode on uh, Angel of Death, uh, which is a crackle original <laughs> <laughs> that he created. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's 10, eight to 10 minute episodes. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we will not be doing that. Oh, uh. uh, Oh, it's Zoe bell. Of course. Of course. The famous stunt woman who hates Clinton Tarantino or something. <laughs> anyway, sure. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at gottherunspod. You can email us at gottherunspod at gmail.com. Listen to Bevy of Bevvies. Listen to High Floor, Low Ceiling whenever that comes ba- out uh, or back. Uh, as I I think alluded to last week, there's a really terrific Bevy of Bevvies episode. Uh, please, 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 you have to believe me. You just have to please just give me one more chance, please. Please. Okay. And David is now playing Pleak. (laughs) Oh, Pleak, remember to rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. Um, That's getting cut. (laughs) (laughs) Now leave it. Um, I think that will do it for today. (laughs) Next week, Hoptime Mystery. Check that out. Thank you all for listening. Until next time. To To be be continued. continued.